Friends, welcome to Word on Fire Catholic Ministries. Word on Fire is an apostolate dedicated to the mission of evangelization, using media both old and new to share the faith on every continent and to facilitate an encounter with Christ and His Church. The efforts of Word on Fire engage the culture and bring the transformative power of God's Word where it is most needed. Today we invite you to join Bishop Robert Barron as he preaches the gospel and shares the warmth and light of Christ with each of us. Peace be with you. Friends, we continue our wonderful journey through um, the season of Lent, and we have during this A cycle of liturgical readings, as I mentioned last week, some of the best readings we have in the whole liturgical year. Spend time with them if you can. Go back to them during Lent and meditate upon them, especially uh, the story for today, which again is a masterpiece within the masterpiece of John's Gospel. John, the greatest literary artist among the evangelists, I think it's fair to say, though all of them are very fine literary artists, but John is the supreme one, it seems to me. And these narratives are so beautifully crafted. They are conveying, indeed, historical events. Don't get me wrong, but they're done in such an artful way that they convey to us, 2,000 years later, the dynamics of the spiritual life. So for this weekend, our narrative is that of the man born blind. And in many ways, it parallels the story from last weekend, the story of the woman at the well, because they're both really about conversion. So in the case of the woman at the well, someone that's been looking for love in the wrong places, who's been seeking satisfaction the wrong way, how does she come to seek the true living water? And then this man, blind from birth, how he comes to see. So they're evocative of the whole process of conversion and so on. Um, The first important thing to notice is we're dealing with a man blind from birth. Now, in the Bible generally, and in John particularly, sight is a metaphor for spiritual vision or for faith, right? Those who see things aright. When you're in sin, it's got a lot of negative consequences, but one of them is that your mind is obscured. Your vision is obscured. You don't get things. Therefore, the man born blind is every one of us. Why? Because we're all born in the state of original sin. Now, that's sermon for another day, what, what we mean precisely by original sin, but at least it means that there's something irreducibly wrong with all of us. You know, the metaphor I like the best is that of the dysfunctional family. Someone who's born into a dysfunctional family is not so much personally responsible. You can't say, well, you're, that's your fault. Nevertheless, that person is willy-nilly affected by the dysfunction of the family. Well, well, all of us are born into the dysfunctional family of the human race. And so we're all born blind. Our wills are twisted and our minds are darkened. It's not a function simply of of psychological inheritance or sociological condition. It's something we're born into, born blind. Okay, so last week, Jesus presented himself as the living water. This week, as the light of the world. Metaphors in both cases for grace, the divine life. Recall the very first thing that God created in the book of Genesis was light. In the prologue to his gospel, John says, what came to be through him was life, and this life was the light of the human race. The light shines in the darkness, 
and the darkness does not overcome it. Watch light, by the way, as a motif throughout John's gospel. Even Nicodemus coming at night, see someone that doesn't see correctly. Judas leaving the Last Supper, and it says with, with eloquent lyconicism, and it was night. So the play of light and darkness is key in John's gospel. Here's the thing about light, everybody. We don't really see light itself, right? Think about it. You don't really see light itself. Rather, you see things by the light. Jesus is the light by which we see things for what they truly are. Shift the metaphor a little bit. He's the word or the pattern that makes ultimate sense of things. That's the thing I've talked about, and it's the philosopher Wittgenstein um, speculated a lot about this. That strange process, puzzling and wonderful, by which we see a pattern. You know what I'm saying? You can see data in front of you. You see shapes and colors and so on. But unless you see the pattern, the form, you're not really seeing what's there. Think of a, you know, William James's great example, a dog coming into a, a study and looking around and seeing uh, what we know as maps and, and a desk and books and so on. Well, the dog is seeing all the data, but is not getting any of it. So Jesus is the pattern by which we understand the data of our experience. Or again, to shift the metaphor, the light by which we see things as they truly are. So after identifying himself as the light, Jesus does something peculiar. Listen, he spat on the ground and made clay with his saliva and smeared the clay on the man's eyes. Now, a lot of the commentators point out that this was kind of common practice at the time for people who were healers. So Jesus using something of the custom of the time, this sort of thing. But now we have to see with uh, more penetrating vision. St. Augustine had, I think, a wonderful commentary on this move. He said the spittle of Jesus, which comes from his head and his mouth, represents his divinity, while the earth represents his humanity. When the two come together, what do we get but a healing salve? Now think of this mud that he puts on the man's eyes as a healing balm, a healing salve. And that word salve, by the way, in English, S-A-L-V-E, is the closest relative in English to salve in Latin. Salve is, a, is derived from salus, that means health. So you'd say to someone in the ancient world, salve, it meant health to you. It's like, hi, but it meant health. Jesus, here's Augustine's point. Jesus, in his incarnation, is the healing salve that's rubbed into sin-sick eyes that they might see again. He's the bomb in Gilead, which makes the wounded whole, as the song says, right? Now, apply this a little bit further. We Catholics will get this. The sacraments of the church always involve, Thomas Aquinas said, both matter and form, right? Form would be the words that are used to specify what they mean. But then the, the matter are the gritty things of the earth, things like, like bread and wine and oil and salt and so on. What are the sacraments but a healing balm, a healing salve, which are the prolongation of the healing power of the incarnation? 
what's the whole point of evangelization? It's to bring people into a concrete and lived encounter with the healing power of Jesus. Let me say that again. So last week it was to bring people to the water that will satisfy them. This week is to bring people into a concrete and lived encounter with the healing power of Jesus, with the coming together of divinity and humanity in him, which forms a healing bomb, a healing salve, which heals our sin-sick eyes. So all that makes sense. We need the sacraments of the church, as it were, rubbed into us that we might be healed in order to see. Now, again, in John, no detail is unimportant. After he anoints the man's eyes, Jesus tells him to wash in the pool of Siloam. Now, pool of Siloam was a real place. We know about it archaeologically. But John helpfully points out that Siloam in Hebrew means scent. Scent. Well, of course, because the one who is sent is one of John's favorite descriptions of Jesus. And Jesus often says, you know, he refers to the Father as the one who sent me, and I've been sent to do the Father's will, etc. The Father sent the Son, mission, right? Sent the Son into the world to redeem it, not to judge it. He sent him on a mission, even to the limits of God-forsakenness. Okay? Therefore, what does it mean to be washed in the pool of Siloam? It means to be baptized. To be dipped into Jesus. Baptizane just means to dip into, right? It means to be washed in his blood. It means to be brought into a living communion with him. You know, here's something, a detail. In the ancient church, when someone was baptized, they were first chrismated, kind of oiled up. Then they were put down in the water, right? They're washed and then brought up and they put a, a fresh garment on them. Well, think of this story now. The man born blind is chrismated, if you want. He's He's got this mud paste rubbed into his eyes and then he's washed. Well, see, it's a metaphor for baptism, being dipped into the living Christ. What does that produce in us? Vision. Vision. We finally get it. We know how to see. Now, here's something that's typical of, uh, of John. It's a wonderful detail. Just after he's cured, the man reappears publicly. And the people are thrilled? <laughs> well, not exactly. They're pretty divided. Some saying, uh, hey, that's the guy that used to beg here. That's that blind man. Others, no, 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 that's not the blind man. It's just a guy that looks like him. It's typical, first of all, that, you know, we just, we just resist healing. We just, we refuse to see it. It's right in front of us. But we prefer it to be the way it always was. But I love this detail. So they're divided. Who is he? Is he the guy? And Finally, with disarming simplicity, the man says, yeah, it, it's me all right. Th that'd be the right way to render it in English. But what he says in the Greek of John's gospel is simply, ego eimi, right? I am. Well, well, you're a biblical person, and you've been reading John's gospel. Ego eimi is what? That's the language of Jesus. It means I am. And so Jesus says, ego eimi, the bread of life. Ego eimi, the good shepherd. Right. More to it, 
Ego a me, I am, harkens back to the book of Exodus. When Moses asked God, what's your name? And he says, I am who I am. Now, what's the point here? Being very subtly made is that when you're dipped into Jesus, you've, you've been rubbed now with the healing balm of the incarnation. You become another Christ. So the blind man, the formerly blind man saying, ego a me, is he's speaking in the very language of Jesus. So everyone listen to me who's been baptized. You're another Christ. It's no longer I who live, Paul says, but Christ that lives in me. Now, again, what's the reaction to all this? Well, now the Pharisees go to town. You know, Everyone's upset about it. Everyone is worked up. See, don't be surprised when people react negatively to conversion. Because if there are enough converted people in the world, that means the world's got to change. And so there will always be a vested interest in keeping people in their sin. Read the lives of the saints if you doubt me on this. When people come forward and they're seeing things in a new way, people won't like it. How's the story end? Jesus sees the man born blind. Do you believe in the Son of Man? The man answers, who is he, sir, that I might believe in him? Comes the beautiful answer, you've seen him, and the one speaking with you is he. That's where it leads, from blindness to spiritual vision. That's the journey of Lent that every one of us is on. Take some time this week, everybody. Reread this great story from John. And God bless you. Thank you for listening to this week's homily from Bishop Robert Barron. For more resources from Bishop Barron, please visit wordonfire.org.